Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro at the NovaCare Complex. It's a short week. The Eagles coming off that loss on Monday night to the Washington Commanders. And now the quick turnaround Sunday on the road in Indianapolis against the Colts. Now, it's been a wild week already. A lot of roster moves before we get to the podcast, which features a really great interview with Jack Stoll, Eagles tight end, who you really want to get to know as he's going to play a much larger role in this Eagles offense, we think. Uh, some catch up here because it's been a little wild and a little crazy. Injuries starting to be a factor here for the Eagles as they are with every NFL team. The Eagles already playing without defensive tackle Jordan Davis and without cornerback Avante Maddox. Both of those players on short-term IR. Joined now by tight end Dallas Goddard and defensive tackle Marlon Tui Pelotu. Let's get into that just a bit. Now, Goddard injured on that face mask play late in the loss to the Commanders, landed on his shoulder, goes on IR for four games. How do the Eagles replace Dallas Goddard? Here is head coach Nick Sirianni explaining that it's going to take more than just one player. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be easy to replace uh, Dallas, uh, and not just one person does it. Um, so we'll see how long he's out. Obviously, you guys know he's got to be out for at least four games, um, and we'll see. We'll play that by ear as that goes. Um, yeah, he's ha- he was having a great year, right? Uh, to me, he's having a top top three, top five, top two, whatever you want, top one uh, at tight end year. Um, so. You know, that, that stinks uh, for us as a team. Uh, it stinks for Dallas. Uh, and, um, you know, so how do we replace them, right? You can't, right? And so you got to do it by committee, right? And so you have tight ends uh, that are there that we have a lot of faith in in this building um, that are going to have to – they'll start with them. Uh, then it goes to, um, you know, where some of his targets goes. They Probably a couple of them go to AJ. Probably a couple of them go to – uh, uh, Devonte, and then you know the, you have backs that get in, entwined, intertwined in that slot receivers that get intertwined with that with Quez, um, and so you just got to balance it out and try to make um, you, you know you're not going to be able to duplicate everything he he does because he has a unique skill set. So you, you you try to figure out who can do what he does um, and. Can they do it? And then you, you you put that stuff in your offense, and then some of it, you know, you might lose some of your stuff in your offense because it's always about players as we as we talk about. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll uh, you know, I know we got guys in this building that I got a lot of faith in, though. As for Tui Pelotu, the Eagles suddenly very thin at the defensive tackle position. Tui Pelotu played throughout the game on Monday, so the injury just a bit of a mystery. He'll miss the next four games, hopefully. All of these players get back for the Eagles at some point in December, and really this team gets healthy and really roars down the stretch. Now, without Tui Pelotu and without Jordan Davis, the Eagles turning to veteran Linval Joseph, 34 years old, 13 years in the league with the Giants, with the Vikings, with the Chargers, a two-time Pro Bowl player. His specialty at 329 pounds is stopping the run. And He's been posting on Instagram 
throughout the season here. He looks like he's in great shape. The Eagles expect him to come in and fit right into the scheme. It's similar to what they have run in L.A. and in Minnesota. He'll get to Philadelphia, hopefully, in time to learn the defense just enough to play against the Colts and running back Jonathan Taylor on Sunday. Here is Sirianni talking about the addition of Joseph and what it means for the defensive tackle position. Uh, you know, we felt really good about Marlon. And, and so the, the things that he was doing, the, thing, the, camp, that he was, the camp that he had, the, the, uh, the, uh, the games that he's played in, everything, we felt really good about him. And obviously we're in a scenario now of you know him him being out too on IR so you know we we had an opportunity to add a good player that we played against last year and who who made things very difficult for us last year in that Charger game and there's been there's a lot of guys here that have had uh, opportunities to be around him um, Coach Gannon Coach Rollis uh, Tom Hunkley I mean so there's been a lot of guys that have, have had uh, you know experience with him and and we think he's a you know the right type of guy for a locker room. We think he's a, a, a still of a heck of a football player and he's going to be able to help us. Inside the locker room, the Eagles know that the run defense has been a bit of an issue. Teams attacking the Eagles on the ground. Houston did it a couple of weeks ago. Washington did it on Monday night. Fletcher Cox asked about it a lot at his locker on Wednesday. And here is what Cox had to say. Hey, everyone, it's going to be okay. No, we'll be all right. I mean, if, if we were stressing out, I mean, everybody would be in a panic. I think that, uh, you know, we can need to correct our own problems, uh, you know, and um, go out and, and do what we did earlier in the season. Uh, we know it's going to get cold and teams will start to run the ball. And, you know, let's just let's just face it. I mean, the last few weeks we gave up 100-plus yards on the ground. We know that's not us. Uh, so um, we just got to – we will be better as, as a group. All right, so we got you caught up on most of the news. Eagles also activating Tyree Jackson – a very athletic, promising tight end. He'll go along with Jack Stahl, with Grant Calcaterra, potentially with Noah Togiai, who's on the practice squad. Uh, Eagles will piece it together game by game. Doesn't have to be pretty, just has to be a win. How do you replace it? The, the production of Dallas Goddard is, as the head coach said, it's not just one player. Everyone, including the coaches, are going to have to do their part. Now, one player ready to do his part is Jack Stoll. That is where we're going to begin our interviews, our in-studio interviews. This is a classic. We like to get you, you know, a chance to get to know the player. Um, Jack Stoll last year making the Eagles roster as an undrafted player from Nebraska. At one point, it's a five-star prep superstar, you know, great player out of high school, had a lot of choices in college, went to Nebraska and really became an all-around player there. That's not all he's known for in his world. I'll give you that tease. For more, let's turn it over to our Eagles Insider Studio, one-on-one with Eagles tight end Jack Stoll. Glad to be joined on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group, by the Stullet, Jack Stoll. <laughs> that, Jack Stoll, that's where exactly I'm going, man. You like We can talk tight end all you want, but I'm going to the mullet Stullet First, let's do it. What I don't understand as a young fellow that you are is that in the world of social media, with the mullet that you are rocking, that you have not taken advantage of your 
social media and turn this into an empire. Listen, I've, I haven't been one to, uh, you know, do too much on social media. You know, I'm, know I'm, I'm on there a little bit, but no, nothing crazy. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, it started in college. Me and another buddy, we were in one of our marketing classes. And I mean, you got tired from those 5 a.m.s just to spice it up. We said, hey, we'll grow. We'll grow our hair out, see what happens. And next <laughs> thing you know, here we are. And I've done it a couple more times and he has too. So, hey, it's it's just been riding and just something we do. So we enjoy it. And <laughs> hey, we never we never meant to make any money off it. So. <laughs> well, but like like the weird thing is your your uh, your Instagram is like only 16 posts. Um, very serious, like very eagle stuff. By the way, if you want to follow Jack Stoll on Instagram, we encourage you to do so. Stoll underscore Jack. Um, but just 16 posts, all like great action photos of you. I think it's really cool on Twitter though. Like you haven't posted much. And there was this, this series, um, of tweets that you had. It was all guys who like committed or had photos of mullets, um, at, at still Jack on Twitter. Um, but it was that like, did you, you didn't know all those guys, right? Or did you know all those guys and they just all had mullets hey. or are you just like looking for people who have mullets? No, I'll tell you what, a lot of them. I did end up knowing. So it was like I said, it turned into a craze at Nebraska where it was like me and this kid started it. Next thing you know, another dude had it. Another dude was growing it. And then next thing you know, you blinked and it was like, damn, there was 10 dudes on there with it. So me, me and him take pride in that. We're the originators of it. And so we, we'll take credit. You know, I know there was that stuff in the eighties where it started, but hey, we, we like to think we were the originators now, at least. Is Joe Dirt like a, a an idol of yours? Every, every day, baby. <laughs> hey, you just strive to be like him. Uh, but, but here's the weird thing about the mullet. Um, in your pro day, uh, there's a video of you running without a shirt on and you're like, your mullet is like blowing in the breeze. Then by the time you got here, the mullet was gone. <laughs> you know, I, I think I had enough sense to realize, hey, being an undrafted cat coming in here can't be making a statement like right. that. You know, be, uh, yeah, you, you just can't do some stuff like that. But like I said, you know, got a year under my foot. So, hey, I, I said, hey, let's bring her back a little bit. So. Hey, it's, it's been a, uh, been a fun ride. It, it, and what a journey, Jack, as a, I mean, making it in 2021, not drafted. We talked last year about it. Um, as you have some perspective, you know, what was the key to your success? You know, I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, number one, you just go in, you work hard every single day, do everything you can. But at the end of the day, there's a little bit of luck that's involved with it. And so, you know, I had a couple of people on my side who, you know, I think, you know, things just fell my way. And, you know, I know a lot of guys who are in a similar situation and, you know, probably more talented. It was just, they, they didn't find their niche. They didn't find the perfect spot. And I think the Eagles ended up being the perfect spot for me. So, um, you know, I think it's a culmination of, you know, working hard, doing everything I could, making sure the coaches knew I was here to get better. And, you know, man, I was about business, but at the end of the day, like I said, it just takes a little bit of luck too. And I think I had that fall my way and I couldn't be luckier to have it like that and I couldn't be more grateful to Howie and everyone here in this organization for it so you know I, I just I, I count my lucky stars every single day so every time I suit up and I'm, I just remember how lucky I am. When you came into Philadelphia and you saw Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and Richard Rogers and and I know you went to Nebraska and I know it's a great lineage there but like was there any moment of whew, Man, this is, this is a pretty heavy company here. Oh, absolutely. I think anyone who says they don't do that is lying um, or delusional. You know, I came in and realized that those were a lot of great guys, and I took it as I can come in, I can learn from these guys, and, you know, I'll be competing with them, obviously, every single day, but, you know, it's a, it's a great chance to get better. And so, you know, number one, I think it was a great culture in that room. You know, I think Dallas and Rich, you know, they did an unbelievable job of just coming in and, you know, making sure that, you know, I felt – 
I felt at home in that room. And so, you know, they, they did an unbelievable job. You know, I think Dallas still does an unbelievable job. I mean, he's, we, we go out to dinner, you know, he's, he's very cognizant of making sure, you know, we're building that camaraderie off the field too. So, you know, having someone like Dallas, who's at the helm right now, being able to learn from him, it's been unbelievable. And then Rich is, Rich has always been that awesome dude to have in the locker room. He's one of those, one of those guys. He's just a glue guy. Everyone loves, everyone loves him. He's, you know, I wish he was still here, but, um, you know, I'm happy he's doing his thing out there in uh, L.A. right now. But listen, I we were just lucky to have a great, great room. What does it take to be an NFL tight end? I mean, from from your uh, prep superstar in high school, Nebraska, things were great. Not a ton of catches, which is really weird. Cause I don't know why teams wouldn't use you more, but we'll get into that. And then to the NFL, like, what are the skill sets that you have cultivated through these years to make you so successful? You know, I think number one is I was always willing to kind of do the things that people didn't want to do. I realized coming in here undrafted, I wasn't going to be catching, you know, 30, 40, 50 balls every single year, especially my rookie year. I realized, you know, I got to just make the team first. And, you know, the way I was going to do that is making it through a blocking role. You know, I kind of saw that that as an opening to kind of, you know, slide in there into that 53. And so, you know, I took pride in that. You know, I made sure on special teams I was going out there and leaving everything I could out there and, you know, talking to Coach Clay as much as I could. So, um, you know, I did that. And then it was just kind of building up from there. You know, I view myself as being able to do it all. Um, and so that's, that's what I try to do. And, you know, obviously I've, I've been taking the role of being more of the blocking tight end and, you know, I got no issue with that, but, you know, every single day I'm trying to not only get better blocking wise still, but receiving wise so that, you know, I can become that dual tight end threat and, you know, really show it on the field. Um, so, you know, I think that's really what it takes is just being able to go in there, do the dirty work that no one else is willing to do. And, um, you know, be a great receiver and be a great blocker and kind of mix of everything. Getting open in college, maybe you're a better athlete than the guy covering you. In the NFL, you're not going to be a better athlete. There's no. just no, no, no one guy's better athlete. So how do you get open in the NFL? Is it the precision of the routes? Is it how you come out of your routes? Is it how you set the guy up? Is it all of the above? Is it just the nuances of the position that we can't understand because we don't play it? It's, it's, it's just, you know, that term everyone uses, it's just, it's route running. Um, you know, it's just knowing when to threaten leverage, knowing what coverage they're in, knowing the soft spots in the zone. It's, it, it's really everything. It's turning your toe at the top. It's, you know, it's, it's a whole huge group of things that's bundled into one term that's route running and so that's really the biggest thing is just having the technique having the knowledge of the game to know what coverage it is to know how to run this route and you know because when you draw routes on paper I mean it's just it's just lines and I'll tell you what if you go look at the tape I no one really runs those lines too often in the NFL it's always you gotta you gotta threaten leverage you gotta understand who you're running it off of so I think that's really the biggest thing is like you were saying no one no one I shouldn't say no one, but I would say 90% of players in the NFL, they don't win off of athleticism alone. It's off of, you know, route running. It's off of knowledge of the game and stuff like that. And I think that's the biggest thing to me between college and pro is just having that mental side of the game to it. And, you know, you're not going to go out athlete someone every single week. So that's to me, that's the coolest part about the NFL is it turns into a mind game. It's a chess game and you just go out there and, you know, try to win every single week. What is watching film like for you? Fun? Oh, yeah. Listen, I, I love watching film just from the standpoint of, you know, you can end up seeing, you know, what the, what the other team's doing, what they're trying to do. And like I said, it's like 
it's it's like a game of chess. Everyone goes out there and, you know, they try to, you know, come up with a better strategy. So you're trying to watch, watch tape, figure out what their strategy is. And, you know, to be honest with you, we got a great staff here who they make it really easy for us. And, you know, they'll, they'll present what they're doing and you go watch the tape and you're like, that's exactly what they're doing. So I, I think here in Philadelphia, we're, we're extremely blessed. We got some people who are willing to do that and make it easier on us so that, you know, to be honest with you, we're not going to work. Those people are going to be much better at dissecting film than what we are. We can get a feel of the game, watch players do stuff like that. But schematically, I think we got some of the best coaches in the world just from the standpoint of telling us what they're doing. And so, you know, just being able to absorb what they've, what they've taught us is some, something of tremendous value. And, you know, I, I didn't realize I was a part of the game really in college till I got here. So it's been, it's been awesome having that. I wonder what it would be like. And I ask players this often, like, I feel like you'd be a great example. If you took film of you from, I don't know, three years ago and just on one side of the screen and you now, would you even recognize that guy on the left side of the screen? Oh, absolutely not. Like I said, I'd be running lines on paper. Yeah. You know, the route running part of it, it's not, it's not taught everywhere. And that's something that I personally didn't really know. I thought it was just be faster than the guy, you know, get to your spot. And it was as simple as that. And, you know, we come here and, you know, I think coach Sirianni's done a great job of, you know, t- teaching us route running. And I think coach Michael in the tight end room has done an even, even better job. So, you know, I think, I think we're extremely lucky, lucky. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be with this coaching staff, you know, Sirianni's gotten us right route running. J J Mike's got us right you know, every, everywhere else. So it's been great. Jack, we're sitting here on Tuesday afternoon, uh, Monday night game just finished against Washington. News comes down reportedly about Dallas Goddard. Um, but I wonder, Jack, how do you feel? Dallas is hurt. You know, and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how your role is going to change, but what are you thinking right now? Well, you know, number one is I, I, I'm just heartbroken for Dallas. I think he was having a pro bowl like season. He's, he's an unbelievable part of this offense. It's someone that, you know, when, when something like that happens, it, it's just tough to see. And, you know, he's he's a tough dude. He's a really tough dude. So when I saw him, you know, out on that turf last night, you know, I, I said that's that can't be good. And, you know, credit to him. He went out there and finished the game. I mean, that's that's just a credit to who he is as a person. You know, there's a lot of people who sign second contracts. They get a little nick and they're out. You know, he went right back in there. And it turns out, you know, it was probably something that, you know, like I said, I don't want to speak on another man's injury, but it was something that a lot of guys wouldn't play through. And so, you know, number one is, gosh, I, you know, I, I hope for a speedy recovery for Dallas. Cause like I said, he's treated me so well, he's treated everyone so well in that tight end room and it's nothing but love. So, um, you know, as, as to whatever the role is for me, you know, that's, that's up to the coaches. Um, and you know, whatever ends up happening with him, I, I, I don't really know the extent of the injury and I don't really want to talk about that too much either, but, um, you know, man, he, he's just been an unbelievable guy and, you know, ever, seeing anyone like that get hurt it, it stings a little bit more for him increased role potentially for you how do you feel about it potentially you know like I said I'm just doing whatever the coaches asked me to um you know that's that's obviously no one ever wants to have their role increased because of injury and so you know especially someone like I said with Dallas who's treated me so well it's it, it's it's heartbreaking to see and it's been, it's always awesome having him out there he brings so much energy to the tight end room week in week out and, you know, regardless, you know, if it's a practice day, game day, whatever it is, he brings so much energy. Um, so, I mean, that'll be missed for sure with him and, you know, wish nothing but the best for him. But, you know, that that's all up to the coaches. I, I mean, I'll go out there, whatever they ask me to do, I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities and we're just going to roll from there. And you will roll as the veteran in the tight end room at the moment, <laughs> similar to what happened at Nebraska, right? When you were like a sophomore or something, you were the oldest, most experienced tight end. Will you... 
draw from that experience with Grant and, you know, with Tyree and kind of bringing everybody along? You know, I, I, I wouldn't even say I view it as being the veteran in the room. You know, I think Tyree, he was, he was with Buffalo, I want to say 2019 as a quarterback. Um, you know, Noah, Noah has been in there Noah, since, right. uh, he, he's a year older than me. So, you know, I think we just lean on each other. It's, it's no one person, you know, whether it's, you know, Grant, whether it's Noah, whether it's obvi- obviously Dallas, um, you know, Tyree, I mean, I think we all just have a great chemistry together and I think we learn from each other every single day. So I think it's just, it's going to be a group effort here. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what, uh, you know, what, what we can all do and just go from there. Uh, the reason I asked Jack is because in Arizona, we all, all of a sudden you guys showed up with the tiger suits on tiger oh, yeah. tracks. <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, what was that all about? And would you potentially lead another fashion charge? Well, number one, hey, I'll tell you this. I'm the one who showed Dallas those suits. Okay. Let's, let's throw that wait, out wait, there. Yeah, wait, yeah, tell hey. me the whole story. Well, the I whole, need to hear every word of this. The whole story back in college, me and a buddy, we ended up, it was COVID, and you know, we're just sitting there. We're, we're getting bored. We're, we ended up watching the movie The Gentleman, and we were like, man, those tracksuits look pretty nice. We got to get us on. <laughs> and so we look it up. The real ones are way out of our price budget. So we end up going on Amazon. We find one for 40 50 bucks. We said, yeah, let's get that one. It was that exact same one. I showed a picture. We went to a couple college parties with it. You know, thought, <laughs> thought it was awesome. And then next thing you know, I showed Dallas a picture of me and my buddy, you know, rocking those. And he said, oh, we're, we're getting them again. I said, let's do it. So next <laughs> thing you know, I wake up. There's a tiger suit right in my locker. And I said, all right, let's go to Arizona with these bad boys. <laughs> and it was wildly popular. And that, is that kind of part of the camaraderie of this whole thing? Like, you seem to have so much fun. You seem to you know, cer- certainly take it seriously, but you really enjoy this whole experience, don't you? Oh, you have to. I think if you don't, that, that's a mistake. I mean, not everyone gets to wake up every single day and go play football, hang out with the boys, have, be in the locker room like that. So every single day I'm here, I try to make the most of it. Um, and like you said, I, th- I think some people get caught up a little bit in the fact that, yes, it is a business. And I think that's something that's understood by everyone. But it's so much, so much more fun when, you know, you can walk in and know you guys are going to have a good time. You'll take care of business, but you can make some jokes. You can crack some jokes. You can have a good time. You can hang out with everyone. And, you know, I think J. Mike does an unbelievable job in the room of, you know, he's the one that set that culture of, you know, making sure everyone knows that, hey, we're going to take care of business. And if you don't, we're going to hold you accountable. But let's go. Let's go have fun. You know, make sure everyone enjoys coming to work. And that's some Coach Sirianni has been preaching since he got here is, you know, there's some organizations where people kind of dread walking into the building. I think everyone here has a smile on their face and they want to get better. And you want to, you want to have that drive to come into the building and get better. So I think coach Sirianni's done an unbelievable job of that. And, you know, J Mike's done a great job of setting that culture in the tight end room and it's just trickled down. Has your family shared in your NFL travels? They have, they've made Gosh, I want to say almost every single home game. They so come from far. Colorado? They come from Colorado. So they've been able to make a lot of them. Um, awesome. And it's, it's been unbelievable sharing that journey with them, you know, coming from, you know, high school where they're dropping you off at 6 a.m. to some lift to, to uh, you know, Nebraska now obviously here. So it's been awesome. I've, I'm extremely lucky to have a family like that who supports me all the way. So um, like I said, I'm, I'm realize a lot of people don't have that. So I'm just beyond blessed on that. Will there be family in, in Indy this weekend? 
Oh yeah. My mom's from Cincinnati. So awesome. we got a lot of relatives headed down. So, uh, you know, it'd be a good little reunion for, uh, for them. And I haven't seen them too much, you know, obviously with COVID the travel was restricted. So it'd be awesome seeing them. What is the, what is the future of the, um, of the mullet? Is it a per- it's, I mean, it looks great. You're a great looking guy. Um, <laughs> Uh, do you have a plan with a mullet? Hey, you just roll with the mullet. I think anyone who's got a mullet and has a plan shouldn't have one. So, hey, you know, <laughs> we, we might we might clean the sides a little bit, you know, clean the beard up a little bit. But other than that, hey, yeah, like when you go rolling. to the bar, when you go to the hair salon, whatever you go to, or I guess in the locker room they have like oh, they yeah. just take a little. What do you What do you tell them? I tell them clean up the sides, take a little off the top, don't even touch the back. Simple as that, baby. <laughs> hey, Jack, uh, really, thank you so much for coming in. I was going to get into some of your hobbies. Jackie um, is not really your nickname. I know Jack, Jackie. <laughs> it's got to be the 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 Mueller, uh, the Stoller, stole the mull. What is it? What? So, some people the call mull- it the stole it. Yeah, the stole it, stole it. Yeah, but uh, Pete, yeah. there's no nobody in here calls you the stole it. No, no one does. Okay, I'll tell you this. Yeah, when you when your name's Jack, stole two two syllables. Yeah, you don't get too many names. Yeah, really. Let's put it's, it that way. It's tough. But. All right, hey, and also one one other thing. Bucket list. Uh, you wanted to go see all major sporting events. World Series, Stanley Cup. Master, did you check out the Phillies? Oh, I made it to the World Series, knocked that one off. It was actually game three where they hit five homers, and it was, I'm Fan- telling you, one of the most electric atmospheres yeah. I'd ever been to. That's and cool. So we had, we had about five, six guys there and going crazy. And I'll tell you what, it was cool being on the other side of some crazy Philly sports event like that. Now you know what it's like. Hey, amen. I understand why people go crazy for it. Let's hey, Jack, thanks for joining, man. Awesome. Appreciate it. Jack Stoll, good luck. Go get him in Indy. Thank you. So now, everybody, are you ready to wear the stullet if Jack Stoll scores a touchdown it's an impressive mullet it really is great guy good luck to him wonderful young man he's really really worked hard as has Calcaterra as has Tyree Jackson and Tongi all of them the Eagles uh, looking to some young players to replace the production from Dallas Goddard on Sunday the Eagles play in Indianapolis against the Colts who are four five and one what a couple of weeks they had. They fire head coach Frank Reich. They hire on an interim basis Jeff Saturday, a former Ring of Honor player for the Colts, Hall of Famer for them, turned ESPN broadcaster. Never had coached anywhere higher than the high school level. Now he's the interim head coach of the Colts, and they showed what they can do on Sunday in Las Vegas, beating the Raiders 25-20. to It is time now for our first look at the Colts. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, joins me on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Matt, uh, congratulations on the win last week. I mean, I would imagine that the things you've been going through here a bit unprecedented for you. What has it been like around the Colts? It's certainly been changed, you know, especially these last three weeks. I mean, the last couple of uh, Mondays and Tuesdays, you know, there's been some some bombshells uh, that have, that have hit this team in terms of news and changes and things they've had to deal with uh, in terms of you know Marcus Cord- uh, Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator, uh, being released. Uh, you know, the Colts after they lost to the Titans a couple weeks ago, uh, which really kind of hurt their AFC South chances, um, you know, being swept by Tennessee. They announced that Sam Ellinger at the time was going to take over as starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. And then, you know, last week, uh, Monday, after they lost to the Patriots the week before, uh, Frank Reich was released. And then nobody saw Jeff Saturday coming, um, you know, sort of an unprecedented and and unique situation there, uh, having to get him up to speed. And then the 
Colts naming Parks Frazier, who prior to uh, last week had never called plays at any level in the uh, and, and, and you know either major college football or the NFL before, and you know a 30-year-old kid getting the opportunity of a lifetime to this point for him, uh, and then also the Colts doubling back and starting Matt Ryan at quarterback after they made that move uh, to say that Sam Ellinger was going to be the starter for the rest of the year. It's there's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of. Uh, you know, certainly things thrown at this team, and uh, I think they responded well. But hopefully things have sort of settled down a little bit. There's still seven games to play. The Colts are 4, 5, and 1. Maybe they can get on a little bit of a run here. Uh, but these last three weeks, there's been change, announcements, and then doubling back to guys that, you know, were hurt and had a shoulder injury. Now Matt Ryan's back. So there's just been a lot of, of chaos around this surrounding this team, and hopefully it's it's kind of died down a little bit, and they can just focus on the task at hand here. It certainly made sense to me that Jeff Saturday went back to Matt Ryan and I saw that he had Ellinger was the practice quarterback on Wednesday and then he went back to Ryan on Thursday and to go with the veteran quarterback in in a bit of chaos makes a lot of sense. And boy, what a game Matt Ryan had in Las Vegas. 21 of 28, 222 yards, a 39-yard run of all things. Um, What did you see from Matt Ryan and is he back on track to Matt Ryan that the Eagles or rather that the Colts expected to get in the trade. Yeah, I thought I thought that this game this past Sunday uh, in Las Vegas, I thought that's what the offense was going to look like really all season long. And I think the reason why it hasn't is because the offensive line really hasn't protected consistently well all season long. Now, that wasn't the case on Sunday. You know, Matt Ryan, as you said, dropped back to throw 28 times. He was only sacked once, only hit once. Um, that is in stark comparison to how really the majority of the season is gone. I mean, the Colts lead the NFL in sacks allowed, or at least they did up until this past week at 35. Um, you know, Matt Ryan's been hit uh, a bunch of other times, you know, outside of that with quarterback pressures and, and things of that nature. And the Colts have just turned the ball over a, a bunch this season. That's really, if I had to use one word to describe this Colts season, I would probably say turnovers, at least the, 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 the season on the field, if you will. I mean, they just have turned the ball over at a lot of inopportune times. And, you know, the Eagles did that, unfortunately, this past game against the Commanders. You know, that's what the Colts have been dealing with all season long is just, you know, killing themselves, a lot of self-infliction, you know, lost fumbles or inter- interceptions thrown at really bad times, you know, pick sixes. Um, so Matt Ryan, I thought, played maybe his best game in a Colts uniform as you said, 21 of 28, a uh, really high uh, completion percentage. The RPO game was really good, and I thought that Parks Frazier came in and, and dialed up a really good game, you know, calling plays for the first time. He kept it simple, but he put Matt Ryan in really good situations. But the offensive line protected. The Colts ran the ball well. That kept him out of a lot of third and long situations where they were not, you know, sort of behind the change and ahead of schedule, um, you know, in terms of down and distance. So I thought this offense really looked the best it's it's looked in a long time, and had it not been again for another turnover and a missed field goal, you know Parks Frazier and Matt Ryan, uh, you know who comes back for the first time in a couple weeks, you know they dial up a thirty point uh, effort output wise on offense. So I thought there's a lot to build on there, and you know Matt Ryan made it easy on Parks Frazier. Anytime you got a guy that's literally top ten all time and everything in terms of passing and a guy that, you know, might be a future Hall of Famer 15 years on the job, that definitely makes it easier. And uh, I thought those two blended well, Frazier and Matt Ryan at the quarterback play caller uh, tandem. I would guess, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that Jonathan Taylor 
looks like he's fully healthy. Big touchdown run, 66-yarder against the Raiders. Um, and the Eagles, of course, have uh, understand that the blueprint now that seems to be established is run, 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 and play action passing. Uh, fair to say that we'll see a lot of Jonathan Taylor on Sunday? Well, that's what the Colts always want to be about, first and foremost. I mean, that's that's sort of been their hallmark uh, these last couple of years is they want to establish the line of scrimmage. They've invested very highly along the offensive line. You know, first and second round draft picks, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith. Um, so that's that's their core. And with Jonathan Taylor here being, you know, having a breakout season last year and being arguably one of the best backs in the game, that's what they're always going to want to do. But especially in this game, against a very good defense in Philadelphia that plays the pass well and sort of susceptible a little bit against the rush. I believe I me, mean, you guys know this better than I do, but I believe, you know, the, the Eagles have allowed over a hundred yards rushing in five straight games and, you know, had a hard time getting off the field against the commanders. And so you're right. That is sort of the blueprint that teams are going to follow now. And, you know, it's a copycat league. Anytime you have a little bit of a chink in the armor, you know, teams are going to try to exploit that and, and make that gap bigger. And so, yeah, Jonathan Taylor has had, uh, you know, statistically a down year. But, there's a, again, there's a lot that has gone into that with, you know, getting behind early on the scoreboard, the offensive line uh, not doing their job like they, like they did last year. And then Taylor himself has been banged up. He's missed three games this year with an ankle injury. He came back last week after missing the week before against New England with that problem. And I don't know if he's 100% or not, but, He's still good enough to outrun, you know, corners and safeties like he did on that 66-yard run to the end zone in Las Vegas. So he's still one of the fastest players in the NFL, especially with the ball in his hand. And so the Colts are going to try to feed him as often uh, as as they can, as much as it makes sense. Uh, but with Matt Ryan here spreading the ball around, you know, they're not afraid to throw it around the, the yard uh, as well. I mean, there was a game earlier this season where Matt Ryan attempted 58 passes. I mean, that was just crazy against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but the formula that day for the Colts was to throw it and keep Jacksonville, you know, off balance a little bit. They've got one of the best fronts. So, you know, the Colts are not one of these teams that are just going to bang their head against the wall and say, this is what we do, and if if the other team stops us, you know, we, we don't have uh, a way to counter that. You know, they're going to be multiple, and they're going to do what they have to do to, to win the game that day. So we'll see how much that factors in with Jonathan Taylor, but, you know, if there's anybody that knows how good Jonathan Taylor is, it's Nick Sirianni because he saw it uh, every day in practice during Jonathan Taylor's rookie season in 2020. So a lot of familiarity on both sides um, between these two teams and um, should be a fantastic game and I think a good game. Hopefully it comes down to the wire. We'll talk about the coaching in just one moment. Tell me a little bit about the defense. No Shaquille Leonard. Uh, Quiddy Pay is injured. We don't know the status at this point for Sunday. A big defensive stand to hold on to that win in Las Vegas. What kind of scheme is Gus running the, the Gus Bradley defense? You know, we, we know how successful it was in Seattle. What can the Eagles expect on Sunday from a scheme standpoint? Yeah, it's a variation of the 4-3. And it's, it's, you know, when you hear about Gus Bradley and the Legion of Doom and all those days uh, with the Seattle Seahawks taking them to the Super Bowl, I mean, everybody thinks about cover three. And certainly there's a lot of that, but I mean, obviously it's, it's more complex. It's more nuanced than that. It's evolved over the years. Um, but it's a, a very aggressive style defense, especially up front. And the Colts have the horses to get the job done at the point of attack without having to, you know, sacrifice, uh, some bodies, you know, blitzing and stunts and things like that. They've got some good players 
especially in the middle with DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. You know, Grover Stewart, I think, leads the NFL in tackles among defensive tackles. Uh, Buckner's right up there in that category. He's disruptive. He gets his hands up. He deflects passes. I think he's the Colts' leading sacker um, at this point of the season. Um, and then Unique Ngakwe, who they brought over in a trade in the offseason from the Raiders, you know, he's one of the more elite you know, pass rushers since he broke into the NFL in 2016. They'd like to see him get going a little bit more than he has, you know, be a little bit more disruptive. Uh, but the name of the game up front for the Colts is they want to get upfield as fast as they uh, possibly can. And, you know, there's really not a whole lot of reading and reacting uh, for this defense, at least the guys up front. They just want to penetrate gaps and get to the quarterback and get to the running back as fast as they can and not try to play off blockers and read things. They just want to cause disruption and create havoc. That's why, you know, they're one of the leaders in tackles for loss and, and no gains, on, you know, in terms of stopping the run. So if you look at them statistically right now through 10 games, they're, they're fourth in the NFL in overall defense. Uh, they're number two in stopping the run in terms of yards per carry. They're under four in that department. They're pretty good on third down. They're getting better in situational football inside the red zone. I mean, you just talked about the, um, you know, the linebacker play from Bobby O'Karake and then, you know, just the, the shutdown corner they have on the outside now with Stephon Gilmore. And it's crazy to me how many times Gilmore has been put into late game situations where teams are still going at him and testing him. And he's come up big. I mean, he's essentially closed out three games this year for the Colts on defense. He had a big pass breakup against Kansas City, uh, the game ceiling pass breakup uh, on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, and then that play a couple days ago in the end zone on Devonte or on um, uh, Devonte Adams when Derek Carr threw his way on fourth down, and, and Gilmore got a, a pass breakup in that situation too. So I think defensively, you know, definitely if if you have to, uh, you know, say which unit has been the better of the two. I think it's the Colts' defense over their offense, and uh, they have played some pretty good, consistent football to this point of the season. Last one for you, Matt. Just uh, thoughts on Nick Sirianni, you know, coming to Philly, having success here. Uh, did you see it coming? And then also, you know, comment on Jeff Saturday, and, the, and the, the it's really remarkable what he's done, and, and everything I've read about is accountability, accountability, accountability. Um, a little, a little great, kind of a very interesting and unique coaching matchup on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, this, there's a lot, a lot of Colts flair in this game. I mean, plus Jonathan Gannon too, right? You know, defensive backs coach for a couple of years in Indianapolis, and now he's the DC there in Philly. So yeah, I mean, getting to know Nick uh, a little bit, you know, the way I did here with the Colts, it doesn't surprise me that uh, he would, in short order, be considered for head coaching opportunities because. He's very bright. He's very sharp. He's great with the players. But you talk about accountability for Jeff Saturday. I mean, when I was here and I would watch practice, I mean, Sirianni would get on players and he would hold guys accountable, but he would do it in a positive way. He would do it in a healthy way, you know, to kind of, you know, lift guys up at the same time. So from that standpoint, I think he does have the personality to be a good head coach. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, being, uh, that's, that's, you know, bearing out so far this year as, you know, they're eight and one and, you know, he's in the running to be NFL coach of the year in, in year number two in Philadelphia. And certainly, you know, in Indianapolis, there's been a lot of national criticism thrown Jeff Saturday's way. And, and I actually talked about that with him yesterday. And he's like, listen, I can't control any of that. You know, I was going to take this job because, you know, I just felt like, you know, in, in other leagues, uh, in other sports, you, you've seen former players, you know, rise quickly to be head coaches. And I think there's something to that because we were in the game. 
You know, he played 14 years in the NFL and made the playoffs 12 times, won a world championship, went to a couple AFC championship games, played with Hall of Famers, played with guys that are also in the ring of honor, just like Jeff Saturday. So just because he hasn't doesn't mean he can't. And so he was going to jump at this opportunity to, you know, be the interim coach and see if he's good at this, see if he has a knack for it and, and just see where it goes. But there's been a lot of, you know, just junk thrown his way, you know, from, from Bill Cower and, you know, other, you know, Joe Thomas, other national pundits that are just, you know, obviously, um, you know, voicing their uh, criticism towards this move. And he just said, I can't control any of that. You know, God bless them. Everybody's got their opinion. But uh, trust me, I don't worry about their opinion. Um, I'm going to keep being myself. I'm going to keep doing this the way I see fit. And, uh, and that's the thing. Like, he doesn't have to come in and completely understand all of the X's and O's on offense and defense because that's been in place for years now, um, you know, with, with this system under Frank Reich. And, um, I mean, Parks Frazier's been here running the same offense for a while. What he's trying to do is just be an administer, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, administrate his uh, leadership all over this uh, coaching staff, have that permeate into the locker room and just see kind of where it goes. And uh, he's definitely a guy that, you know, is going to unite the locker room. He's definitely – you know, held guys accountable, as you said, and I think it's just allowed uh, there there to be a little bit of a fresh perspective on this team and, and where it's going and, and what its ceiling is uh, for these final seven games. And, um, you know, he's a beloved guy here in the city of Indianapolis, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, they can right the ship here, make a little bit of run, go on a little bit of a, a streak, and it starts on Sunday against the Eagles. But there's no question the Colts have been interesting. Um, you know, say what you want about them on offense and defense this year, up and down. There's no doubt about that. But the one thing you can't say is that the Colts are boring and there's lack of storyline surrounding this team because for the first, first 10, 11 weeks, you know, there's been a lot to talk about in a lot of different areas. Now it's time for our extra point here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group on Tuesday. It was, well, in case you missed it, I, I don't think you probably missed that, right? National Recycling Day. And as you know, the Eagles are renowned throughout the world for their Go Green program. I just want to remind you here of just how invested the Eagles are and how they've been recognized throughout the world for their Go Green initiative. They've earned LEED, LEED Gold Certification, by the U.S. Green Building Council for implementing practical and measurable sustainability solutions to becoming the very first professional sports team to receive ISO 2121 certification, an international standard designed to help organizations integrate sustainability into management practices and processes. They've reached milestones that many have never seen, and they continue to work for more and more. The Eagles have an ECO team, which stands for Engagement, Communications, and Operations, made up of employees across the organization. Every day should be a recycling day for all of us. That is the reminder from the Philadelphia Eagles this week, one that we celebrate here at Lincoln Financial Field, at the NovaCare Complex, every day for us is National Recycling Day. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. I want to thank you for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Kira Mahoney, 
Everyone who does a great job putting this together, thanks to all of you for joining each and every week. We invite you to leave a comment. We love the comments, and I promise you, I promise you, beginning in two weeks, the week after Thanksgiving, we will start reading some of the comments and ways that we can improve this podcast. Thanks to Ray Doyle for his work setting things up for us on the interview front, as well as our Eagles Media Relations Department, and of course, all the players and coaches who take part in the Eagles Insider Podcast. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro saying thanks for joining everyone. Make sure you're with us on Sunday following the Eagles-Colts game for the Instant Reaction Eagles Insider Podcast. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly, and go birds! E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!